BBCC episode 41, my realization of the day. Love will make you do a lot for someone. You'll change your personality, your looks, adopt off-brand hobbies, and you might turn into a creepy tentacle monster. Who knows? Love makes monsters out of all of us, whether it be literally or figuratively. Just make sure they are the one worth giving up immortality for, and you'll be okay. Let's go ahead and get to the show. Yes, it is happening, guys. I am so pumped for this month. February is here. Love is in the air. And I am ready to talk all sorts of great movies with you guys. Hello, hello. It is your boy, Devon Taylor, a.k.a. underscore Daddy Disco on Twitter and Instagram. And this is the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. It's a podcast where we explore the subgenres of horror and we theme each month. And then we're going to go even deeper into the subgenre stuff, even deeper layers and layers upon layers and yeah and I'm super excited because this is the first episode of a new month a new theme it is February so I wanted to do horror romance it is one of my favorite subgenres I'm uh, quite the romantic whether it be horror movies or not and you know February there's a lot of stuff going on it is black history month it is women in horror month And a lot of the movies that we are talking about are directed by women, so we will have some women in horror celebration here, but I'm going to save black cinema for next February, so that way it gets its just due. But this is Lovesick Month. We are talking sex, love, and relationships throughout the horror genre, and I am super excited to kick things off with a couple of my favorite movies, and I have a very special guest joining me to get into it. He is a writer for many horror websites, um, including his own website, Ghastly Grinning. He is the editor-in-chief, and he is also one of the founders of the We Are Horror online magazine. We've had pretty much almost the whole crew on by this point, and um, I am super excited to get into these movies with Mr. Ryan Larson. Hey, uh, thank you for having me, and yeah, you're, you're close to the whole crew, everyone but Terry now, um, and then you'll be all caught up on us. I know. I just I gotta wrangle them in. I gotta wrangle them in. But uh, you guys are such a such a wonderful crew. Um, you guys have really done so much work. You know, between the magazine and just all you guys individually are really great people that have worked really hard over the past you know couple of years to um, bring the horror community together. You know, we you know Twitter can be a scary place but you know I'd say um in the horror realms you know we got a we got a nice little group and circle of people going you know and um you you especially are one of the people that is always you know pumping up people's articles retweeting people's podcasts and you know and just like you know starting generally great conversations as well so very excited to have you on the show my man Wow. Thank you. That's a lot of, uh, that is a lot of compliments. I'm bad at those. Um, but thank you. I mean, um, it means a lot and you know, it's, it's easier to do retweeting things is free guys. So just 
go ahead and hit that like button and retweet and let's boost each other up. Exactly. I mean, that's what it's all about, you know. Um, the, the horror community tends to be one of the more supportive ones in the online realms. And uh, yeah, so all the all the great stuff. So to get, uh, you know, a better sense to introduce you to the audience and such, you know, I'd like to have you throw out your little horror bio, you know, when when you kind of fell in love with it, when you started to want to do more with it besides just watch the movies. Yeah, um, let's see. I fell in love with horror when I was four. My, I always say this. I tell this story all the time. Um, I say I fell in love with horror and comic books on the same day. My mom bought me um uncanny x-men number 159 which is x-men versus dracula and uh i was hooked on both pretty much right away and then uh, i i mean i grew up watching universal monster movies um my mom it was not a strict parent for the most part but she had a weird thing with movies where um i could only watch black and white horror movies growing up until i got a little <laughs> older um i guess in her head she was like if they're black and white they'll be okay because they're old and so um I grew up watching all those. And then when I got a little bit older, that's when I fell in love with like slasher movies. Um, I got my first writing gig, Ryan Turek, who is now over at Blumhouse back when he was the editor for shock till you drop, gave me my first freelance writing gig over there. Uh, I did reviews on movies and comic books. And I mean, that's when I just started to want, want to write about the genre. I think the, the genre really changed for me um a couple years after that i um i just went through a lot of big life things and Mm -hmm. i put mental health as a priority and i just realized how important the genre was for me um and how important it was for a lot of people and Mm -hmm. how much movies heal and how much horror heals and that's kind of when i started really getting invested and was like this is what i want to do with my life uh like i want to be involved in 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 movies but like in horror in particular and um yeah so i i'm very fortunate i get to write for a bunch of really cool places with a bunch of really awesome people mm-hmm. um you know and i was lucky to find the most amazing crew i could ever ask for and you know they do all the hard work and i'm just like a megaphone i'm just like really loud that's what i tell them <laughs> I'm, I'm like you guys do the hard stuff like i'm just out there just being an obnoxious loud person so yeah that's uh but that's what i get to do now which has just been has been uh great honestly um so yeah that's that's my little bit of of horror me i mean yeah we we need the the loud voices you know the louder the better you know because uh horror already you know is sometimes at a disadvantage i suppose when people are talking about movies and you know when there's the you know because there is like the the general film world and then yeah and then these like literal pockets and then sometimes we gotta be a little bit louder to be to be noticed and to to really get other people to understand, you know, that it's more than just, uh, you know, spook, spook times around here, you know, like it, that horror does serve like, you know, to be a safe place and a place of comfort for people. And um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's more than that. So, so we, we got to have those voices that are uh, putting that out there. And uh, yeah, and I'm happy to be that, that, that voice. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And like We Are Horror has been like so, so awesome. Like, you know, the response that the community had towards it, you know, and like now I'm just meeting, you know, so many more writers and so many more voices, you know, that are, um, 
you know, putting, putting their thoughts out there, thoughts and feelings. And, you know, the, the more, you know, diverse voices that you hear from, you know, cause people are writing from, you know, their, their personal experiences, you know, that they're having from horror. So it's like the more that we have that and the more, more voices that are happening, um, you know, it's just only helps, you know, and you guys have been so great about that. Yeah. I, thank you. I mean, that means a lot. And that was our entire goal from the get go was, uh, you know, like when I felt like, when Fango temporarily closed their doors after all of that, there was kind of like this space left open. Mm-hmm. There's already so, I mean, there are lots of great places, uh, room org and, um, grim magazine, anatomy of a scream, uh, certified forgot, like lots of really amazing places. Um, even, you know, Terry site, gaily dreadful that are bringing, um, voices and diversity to horror. And I, that, that's what I just realized that I wanted to do. I was like, Hey, we need to make more space at the table. And if I'm going to have, uh, if I'm going to, if I'm going to have white privilege, I'm going to weaponize it and I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to use that to give people a platform, um, and hand over, you know, that platform to them to be able to come out and, and tell their stories. Yeah. It's, it's just so nice to, yeah, like have that and just like this cohesive product, you know, that you're bringing, all these talents into and like you said like when when Fangori was like kind of dipped out for a minute and like yeah like felt like there was a void missing but then also it's like you know in the digital age that we're in now it's like you know we are horror can be that thing for some of the the younger ones in the community you know that this can be their Fangoria that they're like oh I you know started off I was reading this monthly magazine or bi-monthly magazine and like looking forward to it and you know like some of the uh, a lot of the writers that like hadn't even really been published before, you know, some of you guys have had writers that these were the first things that they got published. So it's like, that's like huge. Yeah. And it's been just incredible to like see these talents come through. I mean, we've been so fortunate to have a lot of established writers that I admire and look up to, but also just as lucky to be able to publish the work from these um, people who never got that chance or never got that opportunity. And it's, it's honestly been like the most rewarding thing is just to like, I remember the first time I got something published, you know, and it was just like a silly review. And I feel like to read these pieces that would get like, they're so raw and vulnerable and emotional and just like honest. It's just like, I mean, I cry almost every issue. I'm a giant softy anyways, but like, there's always something that just like speaks to me on like a very deep level. And we've just been incredibly fortunate and you know like i truly believe that horror is the i like i truly truly believe horror is the best genre because how much um it brings to the table in the terms of like an emotional and mental spectrum uh so like we're just very fortunate to have found these writers who can you know put all those feelings onto the page yeah there's there's something about um you know horror gets raised to another level when people um you know let the let themselves be vulnerable whether that's you know putting themselves in a vulnerable state watching something or you know putting those vulnerable feelings out there it's like that's what kind of takes it to the next level and i mean i'm a big i'm a big crier as well i love me a good cry i seek them out purposefully sometimes so i'm glad that i have a fellow soft boy on here to talk some romantic films today um, but yes. before we get into those two movies, um, just to kind of give the people a little taste of, or to give the people an idea of like your taste, um, what's something you've watched recently that you'd recommend or just something that reflects your taste that you'd recommend to the audience? 
I mean, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows my taste is pretty much like slashers and cursed. Um, I'm a big champion for, uh, you know, Wes Craven's much maligned werewolf flick. Um, but slashers is honestly like my jam. I, so uh, I was, what did I just watch? And I like loved, um, I know I watched Torso recently, which was really great. It's Giallo, you know, like proto slasher, um, quote unquote. Um, but like, like that was that was a lot of fun, um, and then I'm just man, I'm thinking. Oh, you know what? Um, Psycho Goreman, uh, check that out if it uh, on Shutter. Um, that movie's just such a blast. I had so much fun with it. It's like Power Ranger kaiju, like vibes with a little bit of like Calvin and Hobbes existentialism, um, and like that '80s kids meet monster feel. So um, yeah, like that's that's one I recently that I like super dug. Ooh, yeah, that, I'm glad you shouted that one out. It's um, been one of my most anticipated ones. I've been waiting for it, but I didn't realize it was finally on Shutter. So I might have to throw that one on after we finish recording because, oh, man, I've been very excited for that one. Like, I, I grew up on Power Rangers big time. And um, any any movie that can, like, give that vibe. But, like, I get, um, I get Turbo Kid vibes from this one. Is that, is <laughs> yeah, that in the ballpark? Okay, cool. Then that means... Uh, Psycho Gorman be 100% my shit. And um, for me, I just I just finally watched um, Spontaneous last night. Mm. Um, everybody had been real big on this one. Um, I definitely love these, um, you know, kind of dark comedy alternative love stories. And um, yeah, it, it kind of I, I, I liked I liked it overall. The first half had me in I was I was really in for the first half like the tone and the setup of the whole story and like I was like okay like I can I'm into where this is going and then the the thing happens no spoilers but you know the the thing happens to yeah and I was after that it felt like it it got really cliche after that and the 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 message just I was hoping for something a little bit more specific from the message that they were given out ver- versus it kind of ending in this just like kind of generic message and the way it ended too I-, I was not a fan of that they were trying to be slick and meta but i wasn't into it yeah uh interesting i i loved spontaneous i won't lie and i definitely cried uh i was a i mean brian duffield had a hell of a year last year and i he dug really everything did. he put out yeah even a uh, babysitter killer queen i dug which a lot of people weren't super into but I was into that love and monsters underwater. Um, yeah, I, uh, everything he put out. I mean, he definitely made his name a staple for me. Uh, and spontaneous like hits all my right notes. Like teen, I'm a huge teen drama fan. So you like mm-hmm. throw in any sort of like quirky teen rom com, and I'm like a, I'm sucked in immediately. Oh yeah, they they totally nailed the the uh, the teen angle. Like it, it felt fresh. It felt fun. Um, it was super funny. Like the, the like all the cast was really great together. But uh, yeah, Duffield had a had a really big year. Um, and and I specifically watched it because I was like, 2020. I didn't really have any movies that like really made me like feel. You know, like I, I was not like too affected by anything. Like a lot of the stuff I like liked a lot in 2020 were more for filmmaking technical purposes and stuff but so I was like all right make me feel something I want to cry it and it didn't get me it, I didn't I didn't get to the crying but um but I I did feel the sap though it did give me the sap 
So. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of the sap. I've spent many hours consuming <laughs> CW sap. So, yes, it it felt it felt CW, but the good CW. Like I know I know sometimes people can take that as like not as a compliment, but this feels like that like good good CW vibes. Yeah, I um I know I like wouldn't mind a Duffield show now. Like if I could get weekly Duffield, that'd be nice. I mean, hell, I mean he had. You know, three three movies that he was attached to come out in a year, so obviously he's a prolific writer as far as numbers go, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up in the TV world. But um, but speaking of movies that do make me cry, though, I think we are nice and warmed up to get into the selections for this episode. Spring, released in 2015, directed by the directing duo of Moorhead and Benson, though I think Benson and Moorhead sounds better, but that's the way that they like it. Um, It was directed by the pair, and then they also kind of split the other duties with Moorhead um, doing the cinematography, and Benson is the sole writer on this one. And it is about a guy, Evan, who loses his mother. Um, His life is just, he kind of doesn't have direction. He's in this existential crisis and decides that he should go take a trip, get out of the country, you know, just to get a change of scenery, change his environment. And he uh, falls in love with a 2000 year old mutant. Um, and this movie is so damn good. And I'm very glad that you um, want to talk about it. So what, what made you choose this one? Um, man. So it's funny. I, I mean, I watched spring not long after it came out and I, I loved it when I saw it. And then when we decided to do it for the podcast, I like watched it again. And I mean, I think I loved it even more and just like the paradigm shift in my life with it is pretty bonkers. But I mean, the reason I picked it is because one, I think it's beautiful, just like stunning. Um, I, and, you know, um, the cinematography is is like really it captures you this was the first movie one of the first movies i remember because i'm kind of a homebody and mm-hmm. i've never been super big on travel uh and i remember i watched this movie and i was like i want to go overseas because that's how like just kind of magical and refreshing and um, beautiful that they were able to make it look. And then outside of that, I mean, um, I've, I'm a huge Lou Taylor Pucci fan. Like I'll watch anything he's in. So I obviously liked his performance, but I, I just think the performances are amazing. The love story is so weird but somehow so perfect and so actually romantic which is wild considering she is a goo monster like (laughs) like half of the time um and and yeah it's just like when i think about horror romance movies i feel like there's a lot of a lot of them get grouped in there because they're like about couples like you know you see bride of frankenstein or even the fly a lot i'm like but they're not like really romance movies like romance is in them like you know they're in love in the fly but the movie is not about their love and you know bride of frankenstein is like not about love at all but it's they're Mm -hmm. just an iconic like duo but spring is a love story like through and through it is a romance movie and i remember it was one of those like 
light bulb moments where I was like, horror is like, can be everything. You can tag team it with any other genre and it's just going to adapt to it. And uh, yeah, I just, that always uh, has drawn me to this movie because when I think of horror romances, I recognize there's a lot of movies that are called like, oh, it's horror and romance. But like this movie to me is horror romance in the truest, purest form of the word. Yeah. Um, I, I would argue you on the fly one. Um, uh, uh, stay tuned for next week's episode for more thoughts on uh, a few more thoughts on the fly because that is one of my favorite horror love stories but this movie um, yeah is more I mean this one is like almost it's the the romances first you know like that this is a a love story first and then a you know then a body horror movie then then you know that kind of stuff the the sci-fi angles as well uh, Morehead and Benson, they they play with subgenre in all of their films. Like they they never are just gonna give you one thing. Like you're gonna get a little bit of everything. And I I love that this movie, it's 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 like sadly romantic in the way that because um, the reason I wanted to talk this and I paired it with horns is also the the way that uh, love and grief are kind of intertwined in in these films. You know, and it's, you know, this character going through, you know, lots of, or both characters are going through a lot of trauma just in different ways. But Evan has this, you know, deep emotional trauma that he's having. He, he had already lost his dad. Now he just lost his mom as well. And he has all these insecurities about, you know, his perception to people and his job and his place in life. So he's just feeling a lot of things. But the, the grief, you know, is kind of what sent him over the edge. And then, the 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 beauty of the love story you know mending that you know and easing that grief for him is like what makes it just like extra beautiful there's there's it's really tender but and and then there's also like a, a great playfulness too because you know uh Lou Taylor Pucci and Nadia Hilker have just this off the charts chemistry together like and you and you buy into the into the romance immediately and then, of course, being set in Italy, extra romantic there as well, you know, so, and, and yeah, it, it definitely makes you want to travel a little bit more as well. I've never been outside the country, but I do like that they kind of film this, like, not like a, not like a travel vlog, but like, but kind of like if you were like going on a honeymoon, you know, in the way that you would capture, you know, just like you're, you enjoying, enjoying the town, like, I love how there's certain wide shots that will have the characters like way in the background, but they'll keep it wide just so they can get all like, you know, the, the, the city life and, uh, or the nature shots that they're incorporating in with it. Sometimes they'll have an extra wide shot just so they can get like a shot of a, a lizard on the door or something, you know, like little things like that. Um, there's, there's just a, a great intimacy to the film, like obviously in the, in the literal sense with the relationship, but then just, the 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 comfort of it as well all all the like the countryside stuff always always grabs me i mean i just it makes it feel to me like um the before trilogy a little bit it kind of gives it like that feel and vibe i don't know if you've ever seen link letters before trilogy but like it's always taking place like overseas in a european country and like just that kind of that that they capture that spirit of falling in love and that kind of whimsy and that kind of freedom that you feel when you're when you're 
starting to experience those things. And it's kind of this like exhilarating free fall. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it also brings you like this tranquility and this peace, which I think they capture a lot in, in those shots that you're talking about, um, especially like anytime they're out in the daytime on like, um, you know, a coffee shop patio or my, my favorites are probably the scenes that take place like in the orchard he's working in. Mm-hmm. Um, those shots just kind of, like you said, you know, they, it is this this journey from grief into love and like all of the early shots are like harsh lighting, you know, very dark, very neon lit. And, it, and like we see this transformation as he makes his way overseas to this like new location. Um, and I think they do a really, really great job at actually kind of capturing that transition and riding that wave from grief into into not grief, you know, mm-hmm. into actually being able to feel something other than that. Yeah, uh, I like how you touched on the the aspect of you know we there there is this uh, romance, th- like there is this romance to the idea of like yeah you go overseas and then you meet somebody and then there's this you know this special energy that's there you know he um, th- especially when you just take a trip by yourself you know. Um, I've, I've, I know I've had that before. I remember going to, I remember going down to Louisiana, down to New Orleans for a music festival and then meeting this girl who would also just happen to go down there. And then it was like, we had that five day, just like flurry of just like, Whoa, this is like so crazy. You know, not, not to the degree here, you know, of them like truly falling in love, but I, I know the idea or. Or I also, um, there's a movie, uh, Charlie Countryman with, uh, Shia LaBeouf and, um, uh, a little bit more bleak, but at the same time, like it also like kind of captures that, that mood of like, you know, when you are in just this foreign area and then just like, you know, you're, you're just compelled and pulled to somebody, you know, and they, and they sell it just so well. Like it's, it's cause that's a hard thing to sell, you know, the, the falling in love in a week in a, in a movie, like, that's really tough, um, and especially in a horror romance, you know, because, like, when you're doing, like, a rom-com, you can, you know, that, the element of absurdity can kind of counterbalance that a little bit, but, like, here, um, you know, they don't have that, so it's, like, they gotta sell it a little bit more, and, you know, just the, the writing, whether it be the writing and, you know, and the dialogue between the, the actors, they they just play off of each other so well and you i mean you just really do buy into like cuz it it doesn't feel like snappy dialogue like snappy flirty yeah. dialogue you know it's like it it just felt very like sincere yeah it's um you know like it's an it's a quiet love that they fall into and it's a very like tender love and like you mentioned like in any rom-com we're going to see that element of absurdity like things are so fast-paced in rom-coms and it's funny because we're like looking at the same amount of time when these things happen like you're always falling in love in a matter of days but in a rom-com it's like punching in the face with all these things happening and it's like this whirlwind of activity and i mean i love those too like i don't get me wrong i'm just i'm a huge fan of those as well but this is like very opposite and it's again it's that same amount of time but just showing like that different way of falling in love and it feels very real and it feels very like grounded um yeah so um that's like a funny uh, like kind of cross pairing between those two 
Yeah, they like, and that's the thing with this too. It like it's the opposite of like you know fast and in your face. Like this is a laid back. Like this is a hangout movie. Also, like you're just like you know, they they take their time even before they introduce um you know Luis and Evan. You know, there's this the little bits that he has with the two bros that he meets and like you know and like so the travel you know leaning into the travel stuff. And they take their time, you know, this movie is just, they take their time, it's laid back, and then it just, like, the the counter between, like, showing the dates between Evan and Luis, and then also then just, like, showing Evan working on the farm and learning things from um, Angelo, and just, like, it, this movie is so well-balanced, you know, an hour, it's like an hour 43 or something like that, just, like, very easy breezy, like, it's a, it's a, I I rewatch it a lot just because it's like a very just like low energy watch. Yeah. Uh, even like the like the quote unquote monster stuff, like it has its moments of intensity, but like I don't, you know, like we said, like I don't think this movie grips in into horror first. It grips into that romance. And so like those moments are integral to the story and they bring this like different aspect and this whole idea of like, you know, kind of presenting these questions of would you give up forever for someone, you know, or like, you know, how far would you go for love essentially? Uh, yeah. So like bringing that stuff in, like, and then, you know, with the monster stuff and the sci-fi stuff um, it, but like what I like about that stuff is like, it never gets disjarring, right? Yeah. Uh, it's never jarring. Like it never jars you. It's never like stilted where you're like, Oh, we're feeling this. And it's like, Oh, crazy. Like monster shit. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's some crazy monster shit. (laughs) Yeah. But it may, it manages to maintain like the same, like you said, that feel that easy breezy feel where you can kind of just like chill and watch it. And you're like, Oh, this shit's kind of crazy, but it's never like to the point of like drastic extremes. Um, Again, they just like these Mm -hmm. two really find a balance. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, even the, the, when they do do the horror bits and they kind of, you know, flash it in there. And it's like you said, it still doesn't jar you because it's like that there's small moments. Like, you know, we, we see, you know, her, you know, attacking someone, but like they only show it for like a couple seconds. Like, you know, like they really don't like linger on the horror moments, but they give them to you, but they also give them to you in a variety, which I appreciate as well. Um, and we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, I will go ahead and drop us into our opening segment and, uh, we can get into some subgenre stuff with the, um, genre grinder, which is every month on the show. We obviously have a theme for all the movies that we're talking about and we are talking, you know, a horror romance here, but then we're going to break it down even deeper and a little bit more fine and get into some of the more details. So as far as like, like I said, Moorhead and Benson, they, they play with subgenre quite a bit. Um, they, I noticed in interviews, they're, they're kind of those directors that they don't even say horror all too much. They just say genre when they talk about films, which is interesting to me. And so it's like, yeah, this is again, like, this is like a romance horror though. Like the romance comes first in this, in this movie. And then you also got like this, this travel angle to it as well. And then this in the back half we learn that this is a monster movie and 
uh, it's it's and it's funny because it's just like it's just general monster because like I like how each form that she takes is like just like a different creature like she we see her kind of like look as a vampire and then we kind of see her looking like a werewolf and then we see her looking like a tentacle monster like we see a little bit of everything so it's just like a general like monster movie so what are some like other subgenre things that stuck out to you I mean, you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, like body horror for sure. We get a lot of that mm-hmm. kind of that body horror thing. Um, and then just those glimpses of sci- like science fiction when she talks basically about how she's not like a super, she says she's not supernatural, right? You know, that's yeah. like she makes a point of that and that she was created by science. And so that is an interesting aspect like that's dropped in there. And, you know, we see that with, I mean, those guys anyways, Benson and Warhead, if you haven't seen Synchronic yet, definitely heavy science. You know, I would say that's that movie that you actually go genre because it's not horror, mm-hmm. Uh and it like rides in the sci-fi, but it's embraced by like the horror fans because of the directors. And it's still like weird enough to fit outside the norm. Yeah. But I, I think these guys like toying around with science fiction. Like, like you even said though, they toy around with everything. They're, that's what they're known for is like kind of blending all of these genres together. But yeah, you hit on the big ones, horror and romance. And then that like monster, you know, cause it's not even like creature feature. It's like true monster movie. Cause yeah, it's, you know, the, it's the not her like moments. stalking. It's not her like stalking prey and like you know intentionally like killing people. Like this is a monster movie where the monster truly doesn't want to kill things. You know, is trying to find these scientific ways around it. Like, and that's um one of the bigger ones that kind of stuck out on this most recent rewatch was you know how much science heavy you know that they make it to uh, you know grounded in reality like all their movies you know no matter how interesting and weird of ideas that they're playing with they are doing everything they can to ground it in reality with um Luis she is you know studies um genetics and evolution and biochemistry and all this stuff is you know mentioned throughout the film quite a bit and you know they go go into you know super details in the end um by the way if you guys haven't seen this movie spoilers as usual um please please go actually watch this movie but they when they when we get to the end and they you know she explains the exact details because it's great since evan is kind of not the smartest guy and like he doesn't get the science stuff she has to, you know, put it in terms for him, aka for the audience, but just like basically of like explaining this process that she to remain immortal, that she impregnates herself and then use the embryonic cells from the baby and pretty much just absorbs it back into herself and like rebirths herself and just does this process like over and over again. Like, and she explains like so much more of the other things on like why certain mo- mutations happen and. Um, I mean, they, they don't want you to ask, it's like interesting because like they go into a lot of details about the creature stuff at the same time. It's like, there's still so much more that we don't know, you know, but they give you the right amount. Yeah. Well, and cause like Louise has lived, what does she say? Like 2000 years. 2000 years. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that bit where they're going in. He's just asking her like, 
did you do this? Did you do this? And then he's like, did you, you know, 2000 years, did you invest in stock? And she's like, okay, I have like all these dope ass <laughs> houses all over the world. But like all that stuff with her is like very fascinating and barely touched on in like that, that end segment where she takes him to Pompeii and, you know, explains and shows him like, this was my family. And there's just like, that is fascinating to me. And she still kind of like leaves it up in the air. Cause you know, he asked like, how did you survive? Um, and, and there's just so much backstory to her still that is a question mark. And then the movie ends on, you know, a very ambiguous note too, where you kind of are like scratching your head. Um, right. We, I mean, we said spoiler. So like the volcano is hinted at erupting again behind them. And so like, I don't know, there's these interesting ideas for me. I'm like, okay, like, do they live? Um, you know, like she has survived that technically before. So like, you know, or is this, I, you know, I, I lean towards the more like super heavy romance side and I'm like, Oh, like she gave up her immortality for him and the volcano is going to erupt and they're both like, okay with it because they're together. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I love how it's like, it's just such a subtle, but like also like, Oh, Hey, by the way, boom, like something that you drop in. Cause like, I, I sometimes forget even forget about that scene. I'm like, oh, yeah, like a volcano does go off. And like, how far is that from them? Like, is it close enough? And yeah, and and you and you still kind of truly don't know. Like, yeah, like, is she is she now in love with him? Did she actually give it up? You know, um, and it, it's a it's a really interesting ending just because obviously the the whole movie touches on these like different themes about cycles, you know, life and death. And they, you know, talk about the sun and the moon. Then you have, um, you know, the internal, you know, cycle as well within like your body. And, um, just like all the, all the, you know, kind of going back and forth with that. And then, yeah, just at the end being like, you know, be, be in love and be grateful. Um, it's a, it's a real sweet ending, uh, for sure. And I, I did want to touch on, you know, some of the more, some of the other monster stuff, of course, because I, I do love, I do love me a good monster, monster movie, body horror. And like I said, I, I, I enjoyed um, the, because this was very low budget and um, mm-hmm. what they managed to do with like the practical effects, you know, with the, the various forms are just like so just like wow like the 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 living room scene specifically like when she turns into this like giant has like the tentacles and the gills and like is just like and the tails thrashing around and it's so gooey like I love movies that it's just like I, I really feel it whenever I'm watching it like just like there's something about it it and it's always funny too because it's always in like horror romances there's always something about fluids in these movies <laughs> i guess that i mean that makes sense right there's lots of fluids to exchange yeah. in some forms of romance <laughs> yeah it's um it's it's real it's real gnarly um i i think i remember like reading something in an interview like that 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 prosthetic like took like eight hours to like like get on completely you know for that scene and they only like could only shoot it for like a couple times before like shit would just like fall off of it you know um i i love their i love the the you know bootstrap you know filmmaking that you can obviously get from them they're used to doing like short films together and all these like smaller things 
Um, but yeah, like, it, would you say is this your favorite but from them? You know what? It's funny that uh, you you ask because I was telling I was talking to a friend earlier and I was telling her that I was going to be on the podcast. Um, and so we were talking about Benson Moorhead movies and she was, she was like, oh, um, Synchronic's my, my least favorite, which like everyone disagrees with is apparently it's everyone's favorite. And I was like, that's weird. Cause it, it's actually my least favorite too. And it's not bad. It's just on a list. There has to be a bottom, um, you know, and, but my, my list is, yeah, it's spring endless resolution Synchronic. Yeah. I, I still haven't watched Synchronic yet. So I, I need to, I do need to watch it. But um, from from the ones that uh, I have seen previous besides that, this is this is yeah easily my favorite. It's just um, it's it's just so well-rounded. Like I don't really have any nitpicks. I mean, of course, you could nitpick the, the limited CGI that it does use not the best, but also not the worst, though, because it just like kind of gave it added to this, you know, like otherworldly vibe that Luis had you know, in some of those scenes as well, so it's, like, still not bad, but, like, there's, it's one of those movies that, like, I just, like, kind of think about, I'm, like, I, I really don't have any complaints about it, like, maybe I wish the score was there a little bit more, but that's, like, still not even a complaint, like, this is just, it's so well-rounded in, from the execution to the performances. Yeah, I, I really do love this movie, and I, I feel like I should watch it more now. Um, and like, the, especially the second time, like I said, um, you know, watching it now. So in the last two years, um, you know, I, the, my ex now ex-wife left me. And then also a year after that, my dad passed away. Um, and that was all in the last two years, which I haven't seen this movie since then. So watching it now, I kind of have like feeling of, um, because you do end up feeling, you know, I luckily still have my mom. Um, but when something like that happens, like you lose this person that you've spent, you know, your entire life with, and then you all lose this person that you spent the last, for me, eight years of your life with, and you feel, you end up feeling very rudderless. Right. And like, kind of just yeah. like, what is my purpose and what is my goal? And like, that's that, that hit so hard this time around for me. Cause I was like, Oh man, like, you know, I didn't go to Italy, but I did move to LA because I was like, okay, like this is, this is what I got to do. And like, you know, I've been down here seven months now and I actually do feel like I'm making the strides and like moving in the direction I wanted to go in. So it's just like cool to see this, like, I'm not falling in love with anyone yet, but, um, but still like that correlation of like, he does move to kind of like bring this change and to find direction. Um, so I just like connected with that a lot more. Um, and I, you know, this, that's, what's cool about love stories. I feel like a lot of the time, um, they're always going to feel a little different because, you know, love moves through our lives in different ways. Uh, so like, this is definitely going to be one of those movies now, I think that has to just go on rotation because it deals with love and grief just so brilliantly. Damn. Yeah. You were like literally in Evan's shoes, like, holy, like, I mean, just in terms of, yeah, like in that kind of stuff happening in like such a short amount of time, like I couldn't imagine, but then it's like, there's the, the movie also makes a point of it too. It's like, you know, some about having to recenter, you know, like you said, like you kind of feel, you feel rudderless and like, it's kind of like, like a compass that's just like kind of spinning, you know, with like without the magnets or something, you know? So, and, and yeah, and then it's, it, it's, 
very surprising like what a just a change of scenery can do and you know what what it you know means and um it's all 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 cycles and things you know all those things but um the the next movie that we want that we're going to talk about is comes at it from a slightly different angle i would say Whew, I needed that breath for a minute. That was a terrible transition. Your boy is real stony baloney tonight. and But that's that's what this podcast is about, though, you know? So now we're going to talk about Horns, which was released in 2013, uh, directed by Alexander Aja, with a screenplay done by Keith Bunin, based off the book uh, by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son, if you did not know. And... Um, this movie stars Daniel Radcliffe, just a couple movies removed from Harry Potter, and, um, you know, was the, the early signs of the weird path that he was going to take um, down down his career to kind of separate himself. But we're, we're always glad to have Mr. Radcliffe in the horror genre, and some people might say this isn't a horror movie per se, but, I mean, it also deals with, like, a devil man, so... I would say it, it definitely counts, um, but it might not be the first movie you think of when you think of love story. Um, the movie follows this character, Ig Parish, who um, his girlfriend has died, or well, she's been killed, that they're suspecting um, that she was murdered, and they believe that's him. Um, he is the prime suspect, and he is obviously dealing with this great loss, but then also trying to you know, clear his name and defend himself from, you know, this small town they grew, grew up in, and you, they spend a time between the past and the present, you know, they go back and forth and spend a lot of time with the childhood as well, because um, all this started, this, it's a love story that started when they were kids, and he meets this girl, and they, you know, grow up, and you're learning about their relationship through, you know, backwards, like, we, we, we don't, see the actual romance you know the the actual like relationship stuff we we see the before and we see like some during and then we see but we mainly take place in the aftermath here and um had you seen this movie before i wanted to talk about it i have yes um i'm a really big alexander Aja fan so i will watch anything that he uh puts up yeah, he's a he's another one of those directors that um he plays with many different subgenres, you know, from from Crawl to The Hills Have Eyes remake to um many many other films. He's a he's a really great director. Um he has a segment on VHS 1 or VHS 2. I forget which one. But um but yeah, he's a he's a very fascinating director. I, he has a certain edge to his movies. I don't know what it is. It's something about how they look. I just am always very attracted to it, too. Um, I love his Piranha remake. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I don't. I have a lot of fun with that. I forget this movie is his, though, all the time. Like, almost every, I've, I think this is the third time I've seen it. And even when I went to, like, look it up, I was like, I think Aja's the director, but like, I actually can't remember. And so, um, yeah, this one I like forget about sometimes for some reason. I don't know if it's because it. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably his most 
easygoing film, I would right. say. Quote, quote unquote easygoing. Yeah. yeah, quote unquote easygoing. There's still a lot of like this one doesn't deal with a lot of like, you know, visual brutality as much as some of his other films. But I mean, this is like a just like deeply like emotionally like, you know, um, disturbing film in a way when you're just like kind of you're because you, you're you, you root for the love story, you know, or at least you want to. But then you kind of learn that the film isn't exactly about that. It's about like, you know, it's about grief here as well. But it's about like, you know, not holding on and like kind of uh, again, like kind of trying to find your direction, like move forward. But when so much from your past just like keeps coming at you, you know, then then that just like makes it hard. So d- did you read the book? by chance are you a book reader you know, i i am a book reader and i've read every joe hill book but this one. Oh, and i don't know why uh i just like kind of missed it i think i honestly think i saw the movie and i was like well i don't need to read the book now yeah uh so that's that might be what happened honestly i mean in my opinion i i i because i'm not a big reader but um but I think it's so much harder when you're like talking like book to movie adaptations versus like if you're talking something that's like, you know, just a remake of a movie um, because, you know, there's always going to be the you're, you're not going to it's never going to be as good as the book. You're, you're never going to get like as much into the movie, you know, so I do appreciate like being able to just watch it on the movie's merits, you know, and not have to worry about like the book stuff as much. But but one thing that I do wish that they would have elaborated on is, like, why everybody fucking hates Ig so much, like, besides su- like besides suspecting that he's a murderer. But it, it you just get this general, you know, gist that just, like, nobody likes Ig. And, like, when they, like, start, you know, telling these secrets to him and all that stuff, it's just, like, man, why does everybody, like, really just hate this guy? I'm sure there's more of that in the book, but, like, besides the fact that, like, again, that they think he killed his girlfriend, like, it's just, like, what what, what did he do in the past, you know? I think I, I, I mean, I haven't read the book, but, like, my interpretation of that in the movie, at least, is kind of, like, because they're stuck in this, what, you know, this small town, this, it's, you know, it's still got remnants of what seems to be a dead lumber company, you know? So it's one of those lumber towns that kind of dried up. And so I kind of read that as like, like people are jealous of him because he, he has this love that, because that's the big thing, you know, I take away from that movie too, is like where in spring, it's a very subdued, quiet love that builds to something very real. But in horns, it is like that, otherworldly like magical love kind of you know like that it's that real crazy shit but like crazy in a good way like that real just like like just grabs your entire heart love and i think they do a really good job of showcasing that Mm -hmm. um between ig and marin and then so i think a lot of what like that like that spite comes from they're jealous because they look at what they have and they even you know they want to get out of town. Um, so it's like mm-hmm. these people who are stuck there, um, like are envious of that kind of, um, you know, just very 
wholehearted love. Yeah, that that actually does make a lot of sense because this movie does spend a lot of time on, you know, people being jealous of what other people have, whether it's, you know, um, the 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 uh, friend that that thought he should have been with Marin, you know, or it be, you know, um, how Ig's parents kind of view his brother differently just because he's like a famous musician versus like Ig is just a DJ at the radio. But again, he like has Marin and, and then everybody also like makes it a point of like, you know, describing Marin as like, you know, this object, this like trophy, you know, that's, and, and, and it just makes it a little bit that much more tragic as well. And so if you guys haven't seen horns, once again, stop the episode, go watch it. It's on Netflix right now. It, uh, it's a, it's a good one. Um, but Ig gets, you know, these, um, I, you know, demonic powers, he grows horns on his head and he, people tell him their deepest desires and their, you know, or their like, um, most just like visceral thoughts, you know, or just like telling like obscene truths to him. And so he uses that to try to solve this murder. And so, yeah, like, again, it's like people coming to him with all these just like carnal desires, you know, and, and at the end of the day, like you said, it's just like, they all want it. They, they all want, you know, that, that kind of love that, that they have. And I, I do like how, how they, you know, talk about it and bring it across and like, like let you know how strong it is even though like we still like we don't really get much of like Ig and adult Marin we get you know mainly like the kid versions of Ig and Marin and then you know we we get the we get flashes but it's like the way that they just build her up and their and their connection is just like really really impressive to me yeah well and it's like like I said it's like almost magical anytime we do see adult Marin she is like shimmering she's yeah. like effervescent um she's like angelic right and so i think that is definitely something that is a, 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 again like playing with the idea of like this movie definitely plays with the idea of like good and evil and like you know there's angelic figures and then demonic figures um so it kind of like has that in it but um yeah uh i mean there and then the, the fascinating thing with ig like you know you're talking about the horns and they bring these truths and like what I think is really, really interesting about Ig is he is granted this power and like what does he do with it? He tries to find out who killed the person that he's in love with, um, which I think is one of those things that is um, showing what a powerful emotion love can be, you know? And I think, again, both movies we picked um, kind of lined up like fortuitously of this idea of kind of what would you give up for love, you know? Um, and in spring, you know, it's hinted at that she gives up her immortality. And then in horns, it's kind of like he give, like he, I mean, he ultimately gives up himself, but he also gives up this power that he has to literally just find out what happened to the person that he was, all he cares about is her and mm -hmm. his love for her. So I think both movies kind of touch on this idea of like, you know, a, like, uh, I don't know, a love, I don't want to say an all-consuming because it's not. Like, that sounds, I mean, like, has some, like, connotation to it. But, it like, that kind of just, like, 
ever present love. Yeah, I mean, I I actually would. I mean, that was kind of the words that I was thinking was all consuming because the the thing that that I I see the movie like because at the end of the day it's like when he like talks to talks to Marin like they it's a this lesson that it's like you know he he keeps even though he's going through all this stuff and like he's like getting stabbed and he's like you know should be dying but he like keeps coming back but then he's like comes back even just like more demonic you know and it's like about like you know this like not letting or not forgetting about just the love and like being grateful that you had the love but then letting the grief consume you afterwards you know and so it's like you know coming at you know the the two different characters and how they're dealing with this loss and grief you know um are is very interesting you know the way that they they're like kind of inverses of each other so so let's get into like some subgenre stuff here because again like is this a horror movie per se? Like, and in, in, is this scary? No, this isn't a scary movie. And Alexander Aja, he usually makes some pretty scary movies. So, I mean, like, if if I wanted to, like, you know, condition someone to for Alexander Aja movies, I would start them with this one and then be like, be like, you know, and then, like, you, you, you go on from there because this has a, you know, not, it, it doesn't feel as mean as his other movies. Um, it can can come off a little bit, but as far as the genres, because he also kind of you know flows in and out between like pure horror and like you know scary stuff, but then also stuff like this that's like kind of in between. So you got the romance angle, and then you know the the, the horror angles would be coming from you know this this demonic representation, and um, there's there is it, it, it's there's religious tones. You know, mm-hmm. but they also aren't, they don't bang you over the head with the religious tones. I'm glad they don't focus on them a bunch, but they are there. And then this, you know, this revenge, you know, like revenge noir almost, you know, you mm-hmm. have this character that now he has this extraordinary ability. He kind of has his like, you know, his outfit, his signature jacket hoodie combo that he wears the entire movie, you know, like it definitely has this, uh, this, uh, crime crime noir to it you know in trying to figure out you know who did actually kill kill Marin because they um you know go you might think it's the brother it could be uh Lee it could be you know I like that there is an actual like investigation going on like he goes around and he like asks people he he does investigating you know Mm -hmm. like he is yeah he's not a detective but he actually does some investigating in this movie, which I appreciate, like, in, like, a contemporary noir. Kind of like um, the the character in Under the Silver Lake. They, oh, those two characters are, like, kind of comparable in, like, the way that they go about um, trying to solve their mysteries. Yeah. Um, I mean, so definitely the mystery stuff. And then, like you mentioned, the little bit of religious, little, a little bit of, like, demonic movie, especially, like, I mean, right when the horns pop out, you're going to think, like, demon demonic um but like as it goes on and kind of leans um more and more and more into that um and then you know i think the other thing is like it is it's this weird and aja does this a lot but like really dark humor yeah. um 
Yeah. So like, it's definitely also, you know, a little bit, there's a lot of stuff that you're laughing at here, which I think he does to balance the truly horrific, you know, fate of Marin. Um, because those are some heavy, rough scenes. Uh, and so I think Aja preps, uh, like, you know, uh, preps the audience for it by being like, okay, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to keep it fu- like heavy, but light until we have to get like heavy, heavy. Uh, so I think it also has those little bits of dark comedy in there too. Yeah. And it, this movie is very, very funny. Um, like on this most recent rewatch, I've seen this movie quite a few times, but like on this most recent rewatch, I was like, okay, this movie is like really funny. And again, not usually Alexandra Aja's thing. So, I mean, I guess this would be um, a Keith Boonin thing for on the screenplay. Because Aja does usually write a good amount of his own films whenever he's doing it. So, I like that, um, you know, he was able to just, you know, that's what a good director is able to do. And they're, like, adapting something, you know? Like, being like, okay, I'm going to take the source material I'll let you do it, but then I will put all my personality stamps on it, you know? And, um, I think that comes through like super well. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's really funny. And especially, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, you know, he, the, the whole movie, you know, hinges on his performance. I brought up Shia LaBeouf earlier. He was supposed to play Ig in this movie and then, um, and end up going to Mr. Danny Rad. And I, he, he shows a lot of range in the movie. Like, you know, he, he has a very distinct comedy style that I enjoy that I've seen him, you know, grow throughout his career, actually. Um, cause he, he, he's gotten a lot funnier, but he has like this distinct comedy angle, but then also the way he is able to just like be the springboard for other people to be ridiculous at him. And then, like, him react to it as well and react to the situation. Because, like, the the movie, even though, like, he has these horns and then, like, things kind of get more fantastical as they go, the movie still feels very rooted in reality, you know? And I think a lot of that is just with Ig's reactions to things and how he's, like, presenting the situation. And uh, it makes for a very good, uh, very interesting tone. Yeah, and Daniel Radcliffe does, like you said, he does the comedic bits really well, but he also does the grief and the anger really well, which I appreciate too, because that really, I, you know, like you were saying, that really allows it to feel more grounded because of the range um, that he's able to to bring to the to to that role as Ig. Yeah, he he really does get to bring the whole spectrum, you know, like the the anger with the scene where him and Marin break up in the diner, you know, and like seeing like the anger and like how upset he is. And then um, just like other things as well, like Daniel Radcliffe, he has a he's a really good screamer, like when he's like in pain, like when he's like trying to like rip his horns off and like shit like that and like you know, taking stakes to the stomach. Like he, he just like has a really great guttural scream to him. Yeah. Um, man. And I was just thinking too, like going back, uh, you know, cause Juno temple as Marin and just like how, um, I think she has a real like fragility and timidness to her. Um, but also like this great strength to her too. But I was like, kind of just in my head thinking too about like, it's kind of like she, 
it's it's about love on both sides and like you said his he he allows that grief to like take him over but like i feel like she does the most selfless thing or it could be viewed as the most selfless right of like you know because she has cancer and she's like i love you so much i'm not going to put you through what i saw my dad go through so they're both like it's an interesting again i think playing with that those angles of like the good or quote unquote like good versus evil just like how it's physically portrayed um mm-hmm. but just like these two different very different ideals uh, of the same concept though of both of love kind of like crossing over each other yeah like um yeah joan temple as Marin, um fantastically cast in like yeah the way that they they film her you you mentioned it earlier she like has this like shimmer to her like she's like always like glowing like very angelic you know that kind of counteracts with ig and you know his demonic presence like after the fact and like even even in like you know the the scene where they like discover her body even the way that they like have her posed and she like looks she like looks like a like painting or a sculpture it's like even though it's like she's dead and like we find out later she had been sexually assaulted too it's like it's still this like tragically like beautiful you know death that she has as well like even you know presenting her that way it's just like the she she never loses that yeah um and like i wonder too how much of that is through ig's eyes um of and just like his absolute love for her too um and like seeing like kind of seeing it that story through his eyes so that's a really like interesting uh idea that like i didn't even like put together you know how but she does she looks like a statue when she dies so that's just a very interesting again like more kind of counterbalancing yeah because again like because it wasn't even just ig though too it's like she was just this like you know beaming you know source for like i mean just everyone like gravitated it's like you know the brother like you know after after him it after her and Ig break up, and I mean, yeah, he's on drugs and stuff, but like, thinks like, oh, the move is to make a move on her while I'm driving her home. It's like, no, like, but it's just like everybody throughout the entire movie has always like wanted her, and like, and so there's this like, you know, idolization aspect to the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 uh, like, it's, it's hard describing like the tone and the and of the film like if you were trying to sell this movie to someone you know and it's one of those ones that like each time you go back to it i i kind of get one message and then i'll watch it a different time and then i'm like but am i supposed to be getting this message you know so it's like it's a it's a thinker movie for you oh for sure uh like it's very it's like the opposite of spring and the easy breezy like this one you gotta like sit down and watch because there's a lot going on and and yeah there's a lot of different i think there's a lot of different pain and trauma kind of thrown at you and depending on where you are in your life and like what's going on with you like you're gonna take a lot of those feelings a lot of different ways yeah and i made a note that i said i said ig worshipped her but he loved her everyone else worshipped her like an item or did Ig also do the same like that? So like, that's what I'm always trying to figure out at the end, you know, because Ig, he has this power that he's like kind of getting people to reveal these like dark things about themselves, about how awful they are. So it's like, um, at the end, 
you know, he he's showing people their sins and then like is I don't know, like is he supposed to be like at the end is he supposed to be like admitting his sins as well? Like I don't know. Like I, I I'm not sh- sometimes at the end I'm just like I'm I'm not exactly I'm I'm not sure if I'm on your page, Aja. Yeah, now I kind of want to read the book to see if it like leans one way or the other. So maybe I'll have to finally check it out. I mean, I should just finish out the bibliography of Joel. Yeah, because I guess like once Ig does learn like, yeah, that she had cancer and she was trying to break his heart. So that way he wouldn't like, you know, be like hurt, hurt later. Um, You know, that's when he like kind of changes his perspective a little bit you know but then when he decides to go after lee anyways like um and they like does it like with the or because the the dad gave him the cross and then he like you know puts it on and then the powers go away but then at the end he like you know takes it off so that way he can you know do uh, avenge avenge marin but not for not for himself but for her you know you're you're tripping me out, honestly. Like now, I have a whole new frame of reference to take that movie in on. Um, so, like, I I mean, I need to watch it again because I yeah, there's a lot more happening with all of the cross necklace and like his normal appearance and all of that than like I really read into. So I don't know. I you got me already wanting to revisit the movie because like yeah, because until the cancer thing, then he was he did like feel like a guilt about you know her dying because of him like that's how he became a suspect was because he accidentally said it was his fault even though it wasn't you know because he just didn't know the truth so that's like after he like found out the truth about her you know kind of changed his whole his whole motivation at the end but yeah it's definitely it's a it's a really good one to rewatch because i really liked uh the soundtrack for it it's got a really great soundtrack and a, a really good score um you know some some eclectic music choices in there um who the score was done by uh robin kudair um so really great work there and aja does have like a really uh a fun look and i like that aja was also you know he started off directing like more in the in the early aughts but then even this movie coming out in 2013 he like kind of carries that aesthetic into it a little bit you know with his use of music but then just the way that it's you know visually shot like it's shot like very evenly but just like with slight little differences like it's just like a little bit desaturated in the color you know just like because of they're in they're in like the like northwest i think yeah like somewhere up northwest but uh yeah so it's like it makes it just for like a really solid like just like great movie you can just like also put on in the background but then also pay a little more attention to it and try to dig some more dig some more takes out of it yeah um no you're you're good (laughs) yeah yeah it's a um glad that it i I was skeptical whenever i tried to pair these together i was like "Eh, are the are the parallels gonna be able to match up you know as well but um you know in this one it's like he isn't, you know, using love to get over grief as, you know, Evan is doing in spring. But in this one, he's like has to like weaponize his grief, you know, for his love. Yeah, something like that. 
Yeah, I think they work pretty well together in the sense of they're both movies I think about. Um, they're both movies about like being, again, being so in love with someone that you would give up great power. Um, so yeah. it's a, it's like they are both movies that are very much, I think, about this kind of like self-sacrificing love. Yeah, like that is like, yeah, totally perfect. Because, yeah, what that that's what everyone is looking for. You know, we're looking for that all that all consuming love, that love that you would give anything for. Um, yeah. And I didn't I didn't really think about that's the part that I like, didn't really think about, like, because I totally forgot, like that Luis like had to like make that decision, you know, um, yeah. as to what she wanted um, to do at the end of spring. So, yeah. I didn't really realize on that angle. So to close things out, while we're kind of talking about the end of the films in your horror romances, do you prefer happy endings or unhappy ending? Um, you know what? I was actually thinking about this question on my drive home from work today. And I was like, well, it's going to be my same answer for uh, rom-coms and for like uh, romantic movies in general. I like both. I like a healthy smattering. I don't, I don't have to lean. I mean, I, I'm always going to lean a little bit more towards happy because, um, uh, you know, I like love, um, and seeing it blossom, but also I think there's something very romantic about the idea of the opposite side where, um, you know, things don't always work out, but there's still beauty in that because, um, you know, that's what real life is like. So I like, mm. I, I like both because it makes it, it evens it out and it makes it feel a little more believable. So I don't need happy all the time or sad all the time. I just need a, a mixture. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you obviously as well. And I think I would go the, I, I lean slightly the other way. Like I, I like it like 60, 40 unhappy to happy. Like I, I like a good bittersweet, you know, Whenever it's like, it's, it's really bittersweet and you're just like, ah, this is sad, but it's a good sad that it's a necessary sad, you know? Um, even, even when I watch just like pure regular romance movies, sometimes like the, that, you, that, that ache when you, when you watch something heartbreaking, you know, makes it, it enhances, you know, the feelings that you have about love. And then it's like, ah, it's like, it's even it's a it's like a different kind of warmth you know so it's like i'm a i'm a good like yeah bittersweet i'm like hurt hurt me a little you know hurt me a little please yeah i mean i'll sound like a super white boy right now but like that's la la land for me man like that's what sold me on la la land was right. the end when i was like that shit didn't work out but like it's still so romantic and it's like and it is that one that like hurts a little or you're like ah oh, yeah i've been there you know like i think a lot of us have been in that situation where it's like oh man, I fell in love with this person and I like fell in love with this person and it didn't work out. Um, but like, there's a bittersweetness to it of like knowing that love existed. Yeah. Yep. And that's a, that's a perfect example. Like I would 100% agree because it's like, you know, we all, we all like the idea of love, you know, but then, um, is love is always cracked up as it is meant to be, you know, who knows, but you know, the, we we had that in in uh, the two movies that we're talking about today, and then we have it in the movie that we're talking about next week. But Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking these two movies with me. Had such a good time, and glad that I could meet you virtually. Uh, where can uh, the people find you? What you working on right now? 
Um, so when's this come out? This um, comes out to well, uh, the this week. Uh, okay, that doesn't so, help the audience, but right. Um, so the fourth is it our fourth? The fourth issue of We Are Horror will be out um, mid February, probably like fifteenth, sixteenth. So we're on crunch time on that. Um, and we are going to announce the theme of the new issue uh, uh, this week. Um, and then, of course, I, I just got my column going over at Bloody Discussing. You ought to know where I deep dive into 2000s horror movies because I think it's one of the most overlooked decades. Um, I got my podcast, Keep Screaming, that you can find. It's a bi- um, bi-weekly um, examination of slasher movies with my best friend. Um, Ghastly Grinnings, where I do most of my reviews and like my own little op-eds. And... I think that's it right now. Oh, we're going to launch an Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast um, for for We Are Horror. Um, and that's going to be me and um, Greg Mucci and uh, Kate Sanchez. And that is, we're recording this month, so we'll probably drop in March. Yeah, uh, guys, I will be having a link put in the description for We Are Horror's Patreon Go on there, donate to any of the tiers, and you're going to get some good stuff out of it, whether it be the online magazine and then all the extra stuff that you guys are bringing to it. It is so worth it, Um, so please go and support We Are Horror. It is really great, and then go follow Ryan on all the other things. Um, Yeah, I'm always looking forward to what you're doing. Um, I do love your, your You Ought to Know column. Because I'm always hard on the aughts, actually. Like, I'm, I'm, I've been traditionally harder on them, but now I've been in this thing of, like, kind of going back and uh, looking at some of the uh, some of the gems that I might have missed out on or were too hard on. Yeah. Uh, no, that's awesome because I think we did that a lot with the aughts because it was, like you said earlier, like, it has this feeling to it. Aja carries that feeling of the aughts, and I think it kind of got a bad rap, so I really enjoy being able to... Go th- and plus those are the movies I grew up with, so I'm biased. But yeah, I was gonna I was gonna compare I was gonna compare um, horns to this movie. So I wonder if you had covered on the column is um there's some parallels with the butterfly effect. What are your feelings? The butterfly effect? Yeah. Uh, who I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I mean, I definitely watched it a lot as a kid because I was like this is cerebral and trippy <laughs> that makes me different. Um, and I was like, no guys, Ashton Kutcher is actually a good actor. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I like butterfly effect, but I remember of it, it gets pretty goofy. Um, but I remember liking it. Um, just like, I remember the general like plot of everything going on. So yeah, I remember liking it. Um, and then thinking the alternate ending where he goes, into himself as a baby and chokes him, kills himself with the umbilical cord with strippy. Yeah. That's it's pretty metal. Um, you should, <laughs> you, you should, you should rewatch it. Rewatch the unrated cut too. It's somewhere. Um, it actually holds up better than you'd think it does. I, I, I rewatched it not too long ago, but then like it has very in the, in the storytelling structure has a uh, similar parallels to horns, like in kind of the way that they, go back and forth between the childhood and the present, but then like him trying to, you know, manipulate, you know, situations of the past and like all that kind of stuff. So interesting parallel. So I would rewatch it if I were you. All right. I think I, I will throw it on the queue because it has been probably a a good 10 years at least. 
and it and it's a decent love story so uh you guys at home we will not be covering it this month but go check out the butterfly effect but we do have some other great movies coming for the rest of lovesick month I am super excited to uh, keep getting into it, so make sure you guys are following the uh, podcast page at Bloody Blunt CC on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, go on iTunes, leave five stars, write a few sweet words, all that stuff is appreciated, but that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday next week. We are spotlighting The Love Witch, one of my all-time favorite films, with Nick Spheres, um, May Leeds. So make sure you're following me on Twitter and Instagram on at underscore daddy disco. Until next time, guys, stay lifted. Thanks for having me on. That was a new experience. I am feeling toasty, so I'm, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I took two edibles like right before I hopped on. So, oh, nice. So, yeah, you had the you had it going towards the end it's like whenever i um whenever i like smoke joints it makes me since i'm like smoking more consistently through the episode then it's like a more consistent high because sometimes i'll just like be going and i'll like forget to like hit the bong you know because i have to like prop it up but nice and toasty for this one as well